The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Hearing through the newscast this afternoon, the Federal Court of Appeal is allowing more challenges to the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion project. It says six legal appeals focused on Indigenous consultation can move forward. Here's Jeff Smith. The Federal Court of Appeal says it will allow six of 12 attempted legal challenges to the pipeline approval to proceed. The six are by First Nations, and the court says it will only hear arguments related to whether the consultations with Indigenous peoples were adequate. Two other First Nation applications, three by environmental groups and one by the City of Vancouver, were rejected. The court says it will expedite the challenges. Jeff Smith. Global News. So the federal Liberals approved the project again on June 18th uh, following another round of consultations but as you heard opponents say they were still inadequate. Markham Hislop is the publisher of Energy News and the author of the new Alberta Advantage. Markham welcome back to the show. Always nice to chat with you Jillian. Okay Markham your reaction to this is it uh, is it a big deal or not? I suspect not, uh, but I think that we, we won't know until the review is done how careful the federal government was when it went back and redid the consultations with a number of First Nations in British Columbia. So to get some perspective on this, I interviewed Professor David Wright from the University of Calgary Law School. So we, uh, we, went, over the, we went over the decision. He gave me some explanations of what is important here. And I think what we see is that the, uh, the court is trying to narrow or winnow the chaff. You know, it's trying to get down to the core issues that can be decided relatively quickly. And so, the, according to Professor Wright, the only thing that will be an issue is whether or not the, from the period of after the NEB report was uh, released in February, to uh, this summer, that's the only period that we considered for whether uh, Indigenous consultations were adequate. So it's a fairly narrow, as far as I can tell, a Mm -hmm. fairly narrow uh, scope, and the court has said that it wants to get this resolved as quickly as possible. It's in the national interest, the public interest, and so I think... My guess is that Albertans should be optimistic. I mean, yeah, as you said, that uh, the appeals and the, and the court has said they will, uh, will be heard on an expedited basis. But, you know, I guess the question is, is, what's an expedited basis? And we know that courts can move notoriously, are notorious for moving slow. I get the sense from, from reading the decision that they, this, this Justice Stratus, uh, is going to put everybody on notice that this is going to go fairly quickly. Hmm. He, in the, in the uh, decision, he said that he wants uh, the applications uh, from the six parties uh, in by within a week, which is pretty quick. Yep. And the point that Professor Wright made was that there are no surprises here. Everybody knows all of the lawyers, all of the parties know what the issues are. In large part, they've been argued in other venues and in the Slayotooth uh, first mm-hmm. uh, application for ju- judicial review. So 
I think this is actually going to go much quicker than than previously, and it shouldn't be more. I'd hazard a guess maybe a month and a half, two months. A month and a half, two months. Yeah, and you know what? I think it just feels for a lot of people. It's like, oh, okay, here we go again, right? Like, this has just been this this never-ending process. And when we saw, you know, maybe a step forward, it's two steps back. And and I think a lot of people, you know, still holding... holding out hope that this is going to be the, uh, you know, the magic bullet, this uh, this expansion, right? Let me give you some perspective on that, Jalen. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, that the American process for pipelines is so much less complicated mm. and they, get, they don't get protested and litigated. It's absolutely not true. I mean, almost every pipeline that crosses the state border does get litigated. And so I've been interviewing some American lawyers about issues around Keystone XL. And in in a sense, and I brought this up with Professor Wright, and he, he agreed, you can see the federal court narrow, uh, continually narrowing the issues that are uh, in dispute. And the uh, so there is, at the end of this, we hope, assuming the federal government has done a good job, there we will have covered a lot of the bases and will be done for this particular project. Whereas when I look at something like Keystone XL, there are just endless legal issues that keep being brought up in the process under the National Environmental Protection Act. And it may, you know, maybe um, this may be cold comfort for Albertans, but my sense of this is reporting on it is that, in fact, this process probably works better than the American counterpart. Interesting, Mark. I'm interesting. I know you talk uh, to a lot of different folks out there, and I mean, in your new book, uh, The New Alberta Advantage, uh, that people can get if you just go on to uh, your, your Twitter account. There's a link right there uh, as well. And you, you, you keep a close eye on the oil industry and the Alberta oil industry. And, um, you know, we know for the past number of years, uh, things have been challenging. Is there an uptick coming, Markham? Yes, but unfortunately it's not for a while. And I've been saying this for a little bit, is uh, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets really? a lot better. I, I hate to say it, but the uh, Petro LMI, which is a uh, Calgary uh, uh, company that looks at, that looks at uh, oil and gas labor data, a couple of, uh, well, three months ago, put out a study that said the Canadian oil and gas uh, industry would lose probably 12,500 jobs in, in Canada this year. Now, that about eight or 9,000 of those would be in Alberta. We're getting close to losing that already. Mm-hmm. And the, re- the reason for that is, is because without adequate pipeline space, companies have almost, almost shut down their, their investment. And without investment, uh, the investment in drilling and in facility construction and so on that creates jobs. Until the pipeline capacity issue is resolved and companies can get back up their you know their curtailed production and invest in in new in new in new production we may see i don't know how many jobs we'll lose but i suspect that the alberta oil patches still has thousands of jobs left to lose over the next year or two and let's flag this issue for further conversation, Jaylen. Mm. The natural gas sector, which is kind of flowing under the radar, yep. is on the brink of crisis. Yeah, what's what's happening there? Well, there's a number of re- there's a couple of really key issues, and so we saw about a month ago, nine natural gas producers based in Alberta sent a letter to Premier Kenny and said, "Look, 
if you don't support a voluntary production curtailment, something like the oil side had, mm. there could be a mass crisis in uh, in our industry, and, and multiple uh, companies uh, are could fail. And what the reason for that is one. The American shale basins have been producing uh, extraordinary amounts of natural gas, and some of them, like in the Marcellus Basin, which is up in the northeast uh, part of the U.S., they're a lot closer to a traditional uh, in the eastern Canadian market, which mm. has traditionally been served by Western Canada. So they've been pushing the Western producers out uh, of that market and and forcing down the price. So the I think the average price last month that uh, if you sold on the spot market in Alberta was like 77 cents. And that compare that to 2005 when it was like $14. Wow. So that's part of the problem. And the other part of the problem is that the uh, Nova Gas tra- uh, transmission system uh, has got all sorts of bottlenecks, and, and this has been an ongoing problem for, for a number of years. And so for some producers in northern Alberta, northeastern B.C., are having trouble getting their the gas that they produce down into market and and getting a decent price for it. Uh, so there are the the uh, the combination of again pipeline capacity and and low prices for a very long period of time has really uh, wreaked har- hardship on the gas sector. And I think we're going to see that pop up under our radar over the next uh, one or two months. Markham Hislop, the publisher of Energy News, the author of The New Alberta Advantage, joining me on the phone as we as we talk about the fact that the Federal Court of Appeal allowing more challenges to the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion project. Curious to know your thoughts. I mean, uh, the Jason Kenney government has been uh, in power in this province, I think, from May now. How do you, uh, how would you um, grade um, their handling of the energy file? I'm not a fan of some of their policy changes. Um, you, you've referenced my book a couple of times. Thank you very much for that. In the in the new Alberta Advantage, I held up the oil sands companies as visionaries who supported climate policies and carbon pricing because that helps them to lower both their cost because burning natural gas to produce bitumen is expensive, and it also uh, lowers the emissions that come with that production. So lowers the carbon intensity of uh, their heavy crude oil. And the Nopoli government put in a very, very good uh, carbon pricing scheme for large emitters, and the Kenny government is doing away with that, bringing in one which has been criticized by a number of economists, uh, most uh, visibly uh, Professor Andrew Leach from the University Mm -hmm. of Alberta. So that and the carbon tax and and pulling back, it looks like, on some of the methane emission regulations, I frankly, I think they're going in the wrong direction. And we, you know, the the reduction in the corporate tax rate from 12% to 8% simply got booked as profits by the big oil companies. We haven't seen any job creation out of that. It's early days, but Mm -hmm. I would have to say, and I know I get accused on, on social media all the time of being against the industry because of this. But I don't think we're going to see the kind of benefits from those new policies that have been promised. I think it was one of your tweets. It was on uh, it was on your feed, and it said, uh, Alberta's at a crossroads. The petropatriotism of the Kenny government and the industry is a recipe for long-term stagnation and irrelevance. Or Alberta oil and gas can pivot to the new, to the low-carbon future and remain prosperous. Was that you? 
It, it absolutely was, and, and there's a reason for that. Uh, I've had this confirmed during my interviews for the book with a number of uh, oil sands executives and, and, and uh, also academics and economists who study what they're doing. And the strategy is, is very, very clever. Uh, what they want to do is they say, okay, look, if there's 10 million barrels a day, that's our market for heavy crude oil, and the, it's going to expand over the next 10, 20, 30 years because Asian markets, uh, principally in China and India, are going to be using more heavy oil. If we, take, if we reduce our emissions and our carbon intensity, and then those Asian countries put in place carbon pricing and other restrictive climate policies, we'll be more competitive than Venezuela and Mexico and Brazil and Colombia and other heavy crude producers. That gives us a competitive advantage in new growing markets. Mm. And so the, this policy, you know, their support for carbon pricing is not only, yeah, we're going to be the good barrel for the, for the planet, all of that sort of stuff. You know, the climate change argument is good business sense. I... And so that idea of decarbonizing as a strategic marketing uh, as a uh, marketing strategy is one we, we uh, need to recognize. I think it's good policy and good strategy. I think there's a number of people uh, texting in right now, as you can well imagine, Mark, I'm saying it's just the Trudeau government, um, you know, delaying, delaying, delaying. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, we're uh, seven weeks out from a federal election. Um, I suspect that the Trudeau government wants this approved Oh, I don't know. Maybe then again, maybe not. Depending on what's going on in BC and, and how you're looking at seat breakdowns, maybe I'll take that one right back. <laughs> you know what? Here, here's an interesting observation because I, I was a little surprised by this a couple of years ago when when there was a lot of talk about the Trudeau Liberals losing seats in the you know especially in the Lower Mainland yeah. they're going to be wiped out. They had 17 ML, uh, MPs and a, and a couple of cabinet ministers. And a couple of liberal strategists were interviewed, and they said, you know what, we've modeled this. We're maybe going to lose two seats, maximum four seats. Mm. And the benefits of, of, the, uh, of the investment and creating jobs and all of that far outweighs the, the uh, negative aspects, mm. even in the British Columbia, uh, in that you know, seat-rich B.C. So I, I don't think that the, if that still holds true, if that cal- political calculation still holds true, it suggests that the Trudeau Liberals are not as worried about the impact on their electoral fortunes in BC by, you know, caused by TMX as we may think they are. Interesting. Markham, always great to talk to you. Thanks for making the time. It's a pleasure. And Markham Hislop joining us this afternoon. So just to recap, the Federal Court of Appeal in Ottawa has allowed six of the 12 requests for permission to challenge the latest approval of uh, the TMX, uh, the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. Um, Two, uh, yeah, so the six are by First Nations, and the court says it will only hear arguments related to whether the consultations with Indigenous people were adequate. Two other First Nation applications, three by environmental groups and one by the city of Vancouver, were rejected. Um, As you heard us mention, the appeals, they're saying, will be heard on an expedited basis, uh, expecting to have the paperwork in within a week's time. Some of the reaction coming in, you've heard uh, Finance Minister... 
<clears throat> Travis Taves uh, saying he doesn't think it's going to have that much of an impact on the project, but says it is frustrating. I, I found the whole uh, process of delays, as, as other Albertans have been frustrated, we've been very frustrated with that process. The fact that, that we can't uh, get a pipeline to Tidewater uh, in a reasonably predictable time uh, line is uh, incredibly frustrating. The uh, Tsleil-Waututh Nation in North Vancouver among the Indigenous groups who will be allowed to argue their case. The spokesperson, Reuben George, uh, saying today consultations were inadequate. We went in there with good faith to talk about these issues and hope that we would be listened to and second time around that things would go better, but, you know, it's worse. George says the federal government brought in a new team that didn't seem to know a lot about the Indigenous community's previous talks with the government.